eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You've discovered your link to gopowercat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, gopowercat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Insiders podcast. We got a little bit of basketball and a little bit of baseball on tap for you today as we divide this sucker right in half. We're going to handle basketball here in the first half with Jay Heydrich and Ryan Gilbert of the Go Power Cat staff. And in the second half, Matt Walters, who is prepping for tonight's women's basketball game, will be joining us briefly to talk about baseball as Kansas State gets a sweep over Western Michigan in a, their home opening series and a really nice comeback on Friday night sparked the Wildcats in that comeback. It was impressive. Western Michigan's a pretty good baseball school. We're sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company or your employer spend $4,000 or more a year on energy bills? Would you like to reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability? If so, it's time to speak with Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Speaking of energy, guys, uh, K-State had enough to beat Oklahoma on Tuesday and then didn't have enough energy to maintain an inability to score, which seems like a fundamental thing to me when it comes to basketball, ability to score, but they couldn't do it at West Virginia, losing. And and I printed out the stats, guys, the wrong ones. Uh, Let's see what I got here. 65-43. Now I have two copies of the Oklahoma stats. I'm on top of my game today for this Monday uh, Insiders podcast. Let's go back. Let's not just start with the negative. Let's go back and find the positive. We did this show last Monday and on Tuesday. They lined up with Oklahoma and Bruce Weber beat Lon Kruger yet again in Bramlage Coliseum. Gills, K-State has improved its defense. There's no denying it. The numbers show it. The the numbers prove that K-State is holding opponents to much lower scores, and they found back-to-back games in which they could exceed that number with victories that were 62-57 and 62-54, beating TCU and Oklahoma. But Oklahoma was ranked number seven, probably overranked. But that's a nice win, Gills. Yeah, and even holding West Virginia on Saturday to 65 isn't terrible. So the the game against Oklahoma, man, that was – about as energetic as I've felt Bramwich be all year. I mean, Mike McGurl hitting those three threes in a row. It was, it was good. It was great to see that for him. And, and he definitely, he deserves that. And I really do hope he comes back. I know Fran talked about it on the broadcast on Saturday that it's a better option for him to come back, even if he, you know, wants to go play overseas a year later. So 
yeah, I just couldn't be happier for him. And even without, you know, Pac didn't play on Saturday, but then I guess against Oklahoma, he didn't, you know, Pac's been off his game. I think the eye infection, we didn't really know about that until Saturday, but that might be explaining some things with him. You know, that's, it says a lot about my girl that uh, when, when someone's down like Pac, he can step up and make those plays. And, you know, Austin Reed's had himself a game for the Sooners, but, um, you know, K-State locked him down. Selton Miguel, phenomenal job, but, you know, guarding him. So it's a great, you know, great win. And obviously I think there's no question Bruce Weber's coming back next year, but if there was any question, I think back-to-back wins pretty much seals that deal. And Jay, Mike McGurl on senior night, even though they'll have one more home game on Saturday with that reschedule with Iowa State, has probably his best game as a Wildcat playing 38 and a half minutes, seven to 13 from the field, five and nine from three point range, 17 points, seven rebounds, but most importantly, hit three three pointers in succession there late in the game to change it from a likely loss to a possible victory in case they'd held on. It was nice to see Mike have that kind of game. Yeah, I mean, that's what you expect and hope your senior guard can provide, especially on senior night to kind of give it a storybook ending with it, too, because it, you know, with couple minutes left when they got down five, they weren't playing particularly well. And it looked like this was going to be another one of these games that they scrap and are in it the whole game. And then towards the end, it uh, uh, just gets away from them. And uh, we, we've seen that movie before. But Mike hit some big shots down the stretch. I was really um, impressed with uh, Davion Bradford and the times that K-State made efforts to get him the ball, he was just absolutely abusing Brady Manick down low um, and uh, treating a, a veteran Big 12 player um, uh, like he was a, a small freshman. Davion Bradford was just getting the ball in the post and saying, I'm bigger, stronger than you, get out of my way. And he just took it to, to the rack every time. It's, it's something that... Um, Casey was having a lot of success with, and I'm glad those threes went in because uh, it, it, it really uh, solidified that that investment that they made to get the ball on the post into Davion and, and trying to make him a part of the game. Bradford was also good in the game against um, West Virginia, and not much was good on that game Saturday in Morgantown, but Bradford kind of rose above the the rest with about 11 points, scoring fairly well, but scoring was a problem for K-State throughout the game. So now let's tackle the Nigel Pack question here. Nigel had the eye infection, and Gills, to your point, I think Nigel's just run into the wall. I mean, he's he's had so much burden on his shoulders this year. When you're a freshman, you eventually find out, man, the season's really long and your legs don't get into your shot. And I think he's just exhausted. So maybe maybe sitting out on Saturday and having this week uh, without a game midweek will help him and the rest of the freshmen be fresh for Iowa State. But, Jay, I'm alarmed that this team can only function if it has its freshman point guard. Just wrap your mind around that. Lacking a freshman point guard, this team is completely, I'm going to say it, inept. I mean, they lost by 20-plus every game when he was out. Even when the first game he was back with Baylor, they set a record for margin of defeat because he wasn't 100%. And he sets this game out, and K-State cannot score. They just can't. They, they barely broke 40 again, and it's just impossible to watch. But the fact that this program relies so much on a true freshman point guard is troubling. It's just really bad. 
Yeah, and it's it's not so much just his scoring either, um, and his presence. It's you, know, you were forced to put Luke Kazuki in a position where he had to play more minutes than I'm sure the staff probably wanted him to play. Um, and it's it's part of the frustration I think that that a lot of fans have is when everything goes perfectly. Um, it's fun to watch. I mean, you know, you can have some success and you can do that. But when um, when there's any adversity at all, it seems like um, we just have a hard time getting over it. And, you know, when, when Dean Wade was hurt, um, you know, we were able to get a couple of wins in, in, the, in the NCAA tournament. But then, you know, his senior year when he was hurt, it was we weren't able to um, – even get a first round win. And so I think part of the problem is that um, we, we, we have a hard time overcoming adversity when it hits on things like that, whether it be a loss of a player or, or go ahead and get the list. And it seems like there's always something that is, that is causing adversity. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just really frustrating to, um, to be so dependent on, um, on one player every year and, and not have a, uh, uh, any room for error. But, you know, the, hopefully that those are things that as a young team, you continue to see growth from um, because Nigel Pack can't play 40 minutes a game. He can't play every game um, every year. Um, there's going to be nicks and, and uh, injuries and things like that. And so we, they've got to find a way to um, uh play basketball and win basketball games without them and particularly find a way to get some, as bad as K-State's offense is, it's absolutely horrible. He's not in the game as far as the um, scoring droughts and the inability to get, get a basket. That was really evident on Saturday, but hopefully that that's something that again, another learning step for this team that they hopefully saw on Saturday. Gills, they've opened up the 2021 recruiting class and I was going to get to this later, but this seems like a good place to transition into that. They're full for next year. According to their current scholarship count, they've got two open scholarships next year. Mike McGurl, even if he returns, will be a free scholarship, not counting towards the 13 because of the pandemic. And they've got the one open that they gave to Petrakis for, for this season. Uh, But that's just a one year deal. So they've, they've got a, signing and a commitment for those two scholarships. You had a story at Go Powercat that they've opened it back up. They made two offers over the weekend, which means they're expecting at least two guys on this team to depart. Uh, Is going out and signing more guys, true freshmen available in the spring, going to solve this problem? It's not. These, These might be good players, but they will be freshmen again, allowing the excuse that we're so young to be played over and over and over. And we've talked about it time and again on the pod, how, you know, whoever needs to utilize the, the transfer portal, uh, certainly next season, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, you got to do that. You can't just keep going after these, you know, high school recruits, no matter how good or bad they may be. Um, you know, Austin Mason and Kittrell Block are the two guys that were offered this weekend, both guards. Um, they're 2020, 2021 recruits and it's spring. It's March. I mean, that, that says a little bit about, about them. I'm not saying they're bad players, but those are not the guys that you want for, you know, your, your team for four years, you've already got your landers of the class and that's your foundation. So yeah, you definitely, you need to utilize the the portal and, you know, looking at Montavious Murphy, who knows if he'll be back, but then I know uh, Lingard's minutes really haven't been there. I think Rudy Williams is, is taking a back seat to, to Nigel Pack at the guard position. And then, 
you know, Siri Lewis, you know, how happy is he with his minutes? Obviously I think these guys all, you know, care about the team, but you know, I think basic math tells you that there will be three, you know, at, at least three players leaving this team. And I, you know, people are always talking about how much of an issue that is with Bruce Weber. If you're losing, let's say Williams, Lingard and Lewis, it's okay. Those are your bottom players. If you've got Pack and Bradford, that's fine. But I think who you replace them with is is more important. I think you've got to get someone that can give you an immediate impact, like someone from the transfer portal. If I had someone, I'd tell you. But just anyone who can make an impact. A freshman in the 2021 cycle, I pardon me, a recruit now that hasn't been signed yet is probably not going to make an impact next season. So yeah. I get it. You need to, to look for the future. But next season, if my girl wants to come back, you've – you got to make it worth his time, right? Give him a chance to make the big dance. Come on. I agree. Jay, you went to law school, which is a lot like med school. So let me ask you this question. Is Bruce Weber allergic to the transfer portal? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, he might be. I don't know. Um, Lord knows he might actually be. But um, it it just seems like that that has a – been a focus, or if it hasn't been a focus, they haven't had much success there. And I think that one of the things that you have to look at too, if you're if you're a transfer portal guard, if you're an upperclassman guard, and this is where you know the the big recruiting class and the success of the recruiting class comes back to bite you now long term is if you're a recruit looking to come in, whether it be a transfer kid or a, a new signee. I look down the down the depth chart, and especially if I'm a guard, I'm like, okay, I'm point guard. Well, I got Nigel Pack there, and Selton Miguel's playing a lot of time at point, and they got Rudy Williams is there as well too, and then they got Mike McGurl coming back. All right, let's look at the shooting guard status. Okay, well, I got Mike McGurl there. I've got Deshaun Gordon. I've got Rudy Williams again and Selton Miguel at that spot. And, and you go down the list, and it's just – stacked at every position with freshmen and sophomores. And so you're looking at it like, I can come here and maybe I can battle and get a spot, or is there another program where I can you know, go and walk in and play 35 minutes a game? Uh, if, you're a, if you're a transfer and you got one year to play, um, you're probably not going to go to a, a school that has three people at your position. And played significant minutes, and that's that's where this this works against him in this regard. And you know, if if you're saying for three years in a row that you've been young, then youth isn't the problem. Yeah. (laughs) After a while, you shouldn't be young anymore. It 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 just alarms me how the uh, we're young excuse gets used over and over. I am buying it this year. They are young. The pandemic has had a role, but I think we all expected better than this. Saturday, they are going to get that Iowa State game made up, Gills. I, you know, they kind of put this game off to the very last. This was the last game they were going to make up, to be blunt. They they wanted to make sure all the games that could be made up uh, with and with regards to teams needing postseason wins or wins to get into the postseason, those were first. So that meant any game with K-State, TCU, or or Iowa State was going to get rescheduled. Well, they finally got Iowa State all made up, and lo and behold, they set that game for Saturday. This is a good opportunity. The team won three games last year. I'm not 
clinging to moral victories here, but I think it would say something that they won four games this year, considering that last year they had better players on paper. They were better than this team. They had Xavier Sneed, Cardi Jada, two guys that are oodles above most of this roster, but they were so uh, damaged as a flawed, as a team that they couldn't win more than three games. At least four games gives him something to say, I, I improved. It doesn't mean I'm accepting it, but it, it is true. And it would be a little surprising if they won three of their last four to get to that. I think that is pretty much undeniable progress. And in heck, even for the last five, I guess it'd be six if you win that game against TCU and you drop the next game. But yeah, they've, I mean, they're playing well now. And you look back at last season, you said, I mean, that was immediately after a big 12 championship. So how you win three games after that is it's just baffling. But uh, you know, this, if, if, if this young team with all the injuries and the COVID and how young they are, um, that would be, Seriously, that's um, that's amazing when you think about it, that this team could win more games than a team, quote-unquote, led by Cartier Jada and, and Xavier Steed and those guys. So, I mean, I, Iowa State's playing okay. I know they played Baylor tough, and obviously it's no question that Baylor's, uh, you know, look at – and people don't want to make COVID an excuse, but look at what COVID's done to Baylor. I mean, it's it takes a toll on your team when you can't practice. You know, there's, there's kind of two types of COVID pauses. You know, if it's your pause – then you're kind of in trouble. If it's someone else's pause, you're gaining from that and you're getting that rest and you can still practice. So, uh, you know, Iowa state's not a, I mean, they're still a power five school. Obviously it's been a tough year for them, but should be a fun game. And obviously this is, we saw it last year with K state when McAtee went off on senior day against Iowa state, it, it's, it's an evenly matched game and it should be a fun one just to watch K state really play to someone that, they're pretty uh, evenly matched with. Because let's be real, real here. We haven't seen that much this season. Jay, you're the athletic director. Uh, so congratulations. I've given you a med degree and made you an athletic director in the same podcast. Um, you're the athletic director. Your basketball coach has won three and four games in back-to-back years in a conference that plays 18 in a season. You've accepted that as a rebuild. But year three of that rebuild, what is a realistic and, uh, you know, just just what this program needs in terms of a win total in the conference out of 18 games, you would say they need to win what? Uh, I think they have to go at least nine and nine next year and um, preferably win a game in the tournament. and I, and I would make that a pretty hard line uh, to draw. Normally, when I look at uh, teams, what I like to look at is, you know, how are you playing? How is, is this something that you're, that you're moving forward on? Um, you know, what, what's the team look like? And, uh, but, but I think it's a hard line next year because if, let, let's say they win, I guess Iowa State, they finish year with four wins and then next year, they win six or seven games. You know, people are going to say, well, they're still improving. That's that's better. And you're stuck in this kind of basketball purgatory mm-hmm. world, right? Where, yes, it's getting better, but when it starts so low, uh, it's still bad, right? It's, you know, it's kind of like the, the COVID numbers. You know, everyone says, well, we're so good right now. Yeah, we're not getting, you know, 5,000 deaths a day, but is, but is it still good? And so it's kind of the same thing where it's better, but does that mean it's still good? And, um, and I think that's where you have to, um, 
look at that. And, and, and one of the th other things that I look at it from is not necessarily in a vacuum uh, with this team, that it's young, that it, in those factors, I look at it like next year, year 10 of your program. Is this where you expect your program to be in year 10? Um, and, and taking all those things into consideration. I think that that's how you have to look at it as well, not just in specifics to this team, but in regards to um, uh, you know, where are you as a program and this where you expect to be year 10 and um, instilling within recent success of the or recent years of the success that you, that you had. I agree with you. I mean, I've said it over and over. Is it too much to ask for your basketball program to be average in the conference in which they play? And that's nine and nine. Can you get there? Uh, you added in the tournament win. I'm going to be more specific. A tournament win in the field of 64. Um, yes. uh, because we've seen this game played before. The uh, first four is designed exactly for guys like Bruce Weber. That's that's why the coaches want that. They want those two bubble coaches that sneak into the tournament to have the opportunity to say, A, they made the tournament, even though in a world where 64 teams should be the tournament, they wouldn't have. And they got a win, maybe. And that's what Bruce Weber did like five years ago. Got the win over Wake, then went and got smoked by Cincinnati. Probably should have been the end, but he lost his AD and everything kind of saved him at that point. And then the Elite Eight, Big 12 tournament, here we are. And I think one of the things, you know, Gil's just mentioned that it's unquestioned that Bruce Weber's coming back this year. Um, and I think that that's probably true. But I, I think one of the unknowns is w w what happens if he loses three or four guys. And it will obviously depend on who those guys are. But I think that if you're Gene Taylor, you have to look at it. You have to say also, yeah, you finished the year well. It started horrendously. You did, you did improve. You did get better because they have. Um, I think even the sharpest critic of Bruce Weber would have to admit that. And if they don't, then they're not worth listening to. Um, but they, they have gotten better. Um, but if, you're, if your line is that we're playing for the future and you lose three you lose a third of your roster um, that's playing for the future, then what's that future look like? I think if, if you're Gene, then you have to really take a look at it and say, um, you know, I just don't see it happening, you know, with, with losing six or seven guys last year, losing three or four this year, you know, you basically turned over your entire team in two years. Um, and I think that that's one factor that Gene should, and I'm sure will, look into um, as the season comes to an end as well. Well, it is going to be very intriguing to see how this team can finish out here with Iowa State coming in on Saturday, and then that first-round game of the Big 12 tournament is set for the Cats. They will be the ninth seed. TCU rallied to beat Iowa State to guarantee themselves the eighth seed. Not that it would have mattered. They are going to be the 8-9 game. All that mattered was the seeding and the uniform color at this point. 3,000 fans roughly will be allowed into the Sprint Center, uh, excuse me, T-Mobile Center in Kansas City. Um, and I'll be curious to see with Iowa State playing in the first day and Kansas State playing in the first day, both teams not having a great year. Will they sell out the Sprint Center? Dang it, it did again. T-Mobile Center. I, it just doesn't work for me, guys. Sprint Center was so nice. Uh, Gil's. 
I, I don't know if they'll they'll uh, be able to sell that out, but I it's beginning to look like this. There's a good possibility if if K State can beat TCU, they'll get another date with KU, and it always works that way. Why? You know, I mean, it'd be kind of symbolic that KU would get to finish off K-State's season, even if they went on a little burst here, but we'll find out. Lots of basketball to be played this week. It's going to be an intriguing week as some teams play three games, and Kansas, meanwhile, is completely done and scheduled a barn burner this week with UTEP. The Miners are coming to Lawrence. It, it should sell out Allen Fieldhouse as KU knocks off Baylor. Let's touch on that real quick. How much value, Jade, you put in uh, and Gilzo, I want your opinion on this too. Kansas beating Baylor on Saturday. Baylor coming off the COVID where they struggled against Iowa State. They didn't look themselves but man, Kansas did look good. I mean, it, it just goes to show how good of a coach Bill Self is, right? I mean, he is fitted Scott Drew with a clown suit time and time again at Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, there's been other years where Baylor is probably the more talented team um, coming into Allen Fieldhouse, and it just seems like Bill Self every year finds a way to um, uh, to win that game. Because you put those two teams on paper, they are not even mm-hmm. remotely close as far as talent and ability if you go, um, uh, spot, if you go uh, position by position. I mean, in K-State, or in K-State, KU just outplayed them. Um, and Baylor's been off, and we can talk about that too, but I'm not so sure that um, that wouldn't happen regardless because KU's just playing really well right now. They're hitting some shots more. They're defending better. Um, and it's amazing when you make shots how how that is just contagious energy for, uh, for every other aspect of the game. And Gills, when David McCormick's that good, KU's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And real quick, Fitz, I, wouldn't K State play Baylor um, if they were to win um, the tournament? Because they'd be the. Oh, winner. you're correct. You're correct. You yes, are correct. They. Yeah. Oh, good news! They'll play Baylor. Oh <laughs> my goodness! Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I, yeah, I, the seven ten game would play the the two seed, not the eight nine. Good point. Well, you're used to KU just being the one seed, so that's where it mm-hmm. got messed up. But yeah, I mean McCormick's been he's been big in, in KU. I've I was skeptical about their little, you know, spurt they've had as of late. You know, two of those wins were to uh, Iowa State and one was to K-State. So I took it with a grain of salt. But that game against Baylor, uh, and I know I touched on their COVID issues, but that that was a heck of a win for Kansas. And last I checked, I think Marcus Garrett's their fifth leading scorer. So if you were to tell me that at the beginning of the season, I would say that's that's not good. KU's not going to be good. But, you know, he's a solid defender. He's exceptional at, at defending um and Abaji's, you know, starting to hit shots. Like you said, McCormick, you know, Christian Brown, um, you know, when he hits the shots, KU seems to win. So they're clicking at the right time, and this is no surprise to me at all. It happens every year in the Big 12 where KU loses a few games and everyone writes them off. And Bill Self, like you said, Jay, is just a heck of a coach, whether you – Love him or hate him, he's you know his teams get better as the season goes on. He really is, and like a prize fighter that's been knocked to the mat, knocked out a few times. The best way maybe to get your confidence back is to line up a a few guys you know you can beat. That's what Kansas had in that schedule with those three games, as Gills mentioned, two with Iowa State, one with Kansas State. Sometimes when you can't find your punches, you need a Chuck Wepner to bleed for you, and that's exactly what KU's done, and they seem to have their confidence. Back. Back their swagger back, and we'll see if it carries them very far in the NCAA tournament.
Well, that will do it for the first half of the Powercat Insiders podcast. We are doing this in two halves today. And on the other side of the break, we will have Matt Walter to talk about Kansas State baseball. The Wildcats are 5-2 and two on the season now as they stay home coming up this weekend. More beautiful weather expected to play Eastern Illinois. Matt Walters is standing by on the Powercat Insiders podcast. The Powercat podcast will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast. We appreciate Jay Heydrich and Ryan Gilbert talking K-State basketball in the first half. We turn our attention in the second half to Kansas State baseball that is coming off a 3-0 and homestand or home series with Western Michigan as the Wildcats move to 5-2 and on the season. Matt Walters is joining us, but we are sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. It's a natural gas products and services provider serving feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Welcome, Matt Walters. You're a busy, busy man. little women's basketball tonight for the Wildcats, but you're here to discuss baseball, at least initially. Boy, did this series with Western Michigan, which is a, a really good offensive program, get off to a rocky start with your ace, Jordan Wicks. I don't want to say get knocked around, but he uncharacteristically gave up four earned runs over six innings. Uh, and yet... And yet, Kansas State found a way to win that game, the first game of the series at Toynton Family Stadium, 9-8, to as they scored five in the bottom of the eighth. They won that one by the hair on their chinny, chin, chin. But that is a good sign that they can put together that kind of rally. Yeah, exactly. And I tell you, Western Michigan deserves a lot of credit. That is a, that's a very good baseball team, and some will say, they're picked to finish sixth in the MAC this year. The MAC's not a very good baseball conference. It's better than you think. And Western Michigan has some um, some veteran older guys, and they're very good offensive team. They're a very good offensive team. And simply stated, Jordan Wicks wasn't at his best, and Western Michigan hit his mistakes. And K State did not take very good mature at bats for the better part of seven innings, and then in the eighth they did. There were a couple of key walks. Western Michigan's bullpen faltered. Case they took advantage, and you know the Wildcats win that one. If if you'd have told me going into the series that Case they would win a pair of one-run games in that series, 
I would not have bought it. I would take it, but I would not have bought it. Uh, but that's a good sign. And, you know, the, the eight-game homestand overall is off to a good start. Western Michigan's better than who K-State will see this coming weekend in Eastern Illinois. South Dakota State split with K-State a year ago, and they're in town uh, a week from, you know, this Tuesday. K-State will play them next Tuesday and Wednesday before going down to Houston. But, uh, yeah, very very good series win, and that's just that's another positive step for the for the team in the program. Now, I know that um, Pete Hughes is trying to develop this team into being one that is even better in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, which is a, a trade of all good teams. And that is something you learn. You just don't happen to have that. So this was a really good step to see them find a way to win two of these games. They won on Sunday, two to one. The the middle game on Saturday was a bit more of a blowout in K-State's favor. But if you can win those close games, which they didn't particularly do in that opening series, those four games set down in Arizona, uh, you will be in much better shape. And as he's pointed out, you get to Big 12 play, you're going to have a lot of close games in which you're going to be decided maybe in your last at-bat. So positive step. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, what, what I said going into the series, Fitz, and it's not always happened, I've just seen enough of it, is – you know, Kansas State split the four games down in Arizona. Very easily could have been three and one. You know, K-State, as Pete Hughes says, we're not in it for moral victories anymore. Uh, so they go two and two. And in this eight, in this eight-game homestand, if you're going to go where you want to go in this eight-game set, you really, at most, you can lose one game. You have to pick up wins now. And then when you go to Houston, you're going to play Northern Illinois twice and Rice twice. Rice is not what Rice used to be. You have to have a successful non-conference season. But then, again, you do as well in the Big 12. Now, the Big 12 is loaded this year. And what you said is exactly right. There are going to be plenty of close games in the Big 12 because there's lots and lots of very good pitching. K-State's got more of that. One other thing to keep in mind with this team is – when you think about the weekend rotation, Wicks is a veteran, has pitched quite a bit so far. Seymour and McCullough really are still pretty new to the Division One ball game, the Division One ranks. So they're just, you know, they're just scratching the surface. Uh, K-State can say the same thing at shortstop, at second base. They've got a great new second baseman in, in Nick Goodwin, who's off to a hot start uh, as a freshman. But there are a lot of guys that are still just getting their toes wet in Division One baseball, and it's going to take some time. It will indeed. I mean, this is an improved pitching staff, and I, I would guess that you were encouraged by the ability of the bullpen to come in after Wicks and get that game shut down and at least put them in a position to win, which is always a good sign. Yeah, because on Sunday, you know, Tyler Eckberg has been the closer. He came in early on in that ball game uh, Sunday because K-State needed to get some critical outs and, and Eckberg winds up throwing an inning in two thirds. So, you know, he comes in in the sixth, uh, he, he does an excellent job. And then, you know, what also stands out is that K-State got the double play ball to finish up the eighth and then finish up the ball game. And that was with Caleb Little Jim getting the six out, save his first as a, as a wildcat. And again, positive step in that the, the bullpen did its job because the bullpen didn't do its job out in Arizona. Uh, and 
what you try to do now here in, in what was late February and what is now early March is you're trying to see what guys can fill what roles. You start to develop that trust factor. This guy's only going to, you know, be able to maybe face five or six guys, or this guy's going to be able to go three or four innings in middle relief if the starter gets in trouble. That's what you're trying to get figured out right now for when you get the conference play, then your game plan, your rotations, your, you know, this guy in this situation, that guy in that situation and so forth. That for the most part is resolved when you get to conference play near the end of the month. Nick Goodwin, you want to see a breakout start. Freshman, second baseman, interior infielder. He might slide over to shortstop some. He came in as a shortstop. He's hitting, what, 360 right now? Hit, getting picking some, Picking up some big hits. Had the home run on Friday night. Boy, this kid has really been something else so far, hasn't he? Yep. Leads the team in RBIs. He's got a couple of home runs as well. He's out of St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, my guess is you'll you'll likely see him just stay at second base, maybe DH once in a while. But uh, you know the the game's not going too fast for him right now. Um, he got both of those double plays started in the eighth and ninth yesterday against Western Michigan. Talented kid. The spotlight, at least as of now, is not too big for him. And remember, he didn't play his his final year of high school ball uh, because of COVID. So. The fact that he has stepped in and doing what he's doing is a good sign. Fitz, it's a, it's great. A tip of the cap to the kid for having such a strong start. It is a long season. It's like, you know, we, in basketball, we talk about the grind that the guys run into and the wall that they hit come, you know, early to mid February, same thing happens in baseball, but uh, you always experience the highs and lows, but this is a, this is a fun kid to watch and the fans are really going to like him. Matt, I'm I'm really intrigued by this baseball team. I, I think it could be really fun. And so far at Toynton Stadium, I know attendance has been limited. They might get a boost to that from the county here pretty soon. But um, people seem to be showing up. It's really encouraging that people seem to be rallying behind baseball. What does K-State have coming up here at home that fans might be able to sneak in to see a game? Three this weekend with Eastern Illinois. And then... Two with South Dakota State, a couple of midweek games next week. The Cats, March schedule is a little, I'll say a little light in terms of home games because, you know, you know the weather's a little funky, a little awkward. You know, Kansas State only has one of their series at home in March after South Dakota State and fits. It is one I would tell people to come watch. It's New Mexico. It is a team that K-State Lost two down in Arizona. It's a team that K-State led, but let that lead get away. They are a, a better ball club and program that people people recognize or realize. They have a tendency to hit a lot of home runs because of the thin air they play in, but they are a, a good baseball team with a veteran and very successful head coach. And the great thing, at least to me, is, is when, the, when the schedule turns to April, K-State's really at home all month, minus a three-game series in Texas. So April is the month that you're really going to want to get out and watch this club. But uh, that, that New Mexico series, March 19th, 20th, and 21st, will be a good one as well. Yeah, it's a really intriguing schedule here over the next you know month or so is they do go down to Houston, play Northern Illinois and Rice, which is always a, a great program. Then that that set with New Mexico really kind of ushers in the teeth of the schedule. They go to Wichita State, they go to Oklahoma State, and then they come home for Texas Tech. Uh, this conference got off to a bad start with their 
series that they three teams played against three teams from the SEC. It didn't go so well for the Big 12, but this conference is really good, particularly when it comes to pitching. Yeah, you know, you probably can give the SEC the upper hand right now, but the Big 12 is is right there um, with that with that conference from Texas Tech to TCU to Oklahoma State to, you know, Oklahoma. West Virginia is going to be very good this year. There's going to be – I may be mistaken, but I don't know that there are going to be a lot of sweeps this year in the Big 12. I think there's going to be a lot of two games to one series – uh, and Fitz, this is what COVID has done, um, has created bigger rosters and created more depth for every team from Kansas state to everybody else in the big 12. And in, in some ways, I think that's going to pay dividends down the road, but the big 12 is just so good every year. And there's, there's some teams that can really swing it. Um, I, I can't wait, but you're right that when, when New Mexico comes to town or for that matter, when K-State plays Rice uh, in Houston here in a couple of weeks, K-State really gets into the, the meat of the schedule. They're playing a few less games than years past. Uh, and after, you know, after next week, you know, you've got Arkansas Pine Bluff that comes to town for two, Northern Colorado for two in April, Texas Southern for three. Uh, but but other than that, it's some really good non-cons, and then obviously all Big 12 the rest of the way. Let's turn our attention to women's basketball. You've got a game tonight at Bramlage Coliseum. TCU comes in. Wednesday, West Virginia comes in, and then they go to OU on Sunday as they play three games this week as they try to make up a little bit of ground for the games they missed earlier this season. Kansas State did pick up its second Big 12 win of the season against Texas Tech. A week ago, uh, what are you seeing from the women's program right now, Matt? Eight or four games in eight days, which mm-hmm. is tough. Uh, TCU is a, is a very wonderful game. K-State had the Horned Frogs where they wanted them down in in uh, in Fort Worth. Let it get away. TCU had a bucket load of threes in that game. I like the matchup, but K-State has just had so many inconsistencies offensively. It's been difficult, and foul trouble has really plagued Aoka Lee. Uh, and in the, the game Saturday at Baylor, it also plagued Chrissy Carr. But, again, you're talking about Baylor. Um, you'd like to have 10 on five when you're playing Baylor to, <laughs> to have a chance. But, uh, you know, the West Virginia game on Wednesday night is another one fits that K-State played one of its best Big 12 games of the year in Morgantown uh, and just couldn't finish it. And there were some calls down the stretch that went against K-State, but K-State also, they lost that game because of self-inflicted wounds. K-State has not handled pressure well. They're struggling handling the basketball, averaging 18 turnovers a game in conference play, and it's just hard to survive with that. So when Kansas State is, is hitting some threes, and they're getting the ball to Aoka Lee when they need to and when they should and how they should, they're doing all right. But there's just there's not been enough of that. And, you know, we'll, we, um, we'll see how they finish. You mentioned two home games and then the road trip to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is another one that Kansas State should have won. But uh, should have, would have, could have, doesn't feed the Bulldogs. They lost that game. And uh, you, K-State's got to defend the three uh, in that one. They've got to, they've got to stick with – Taylor Robertson, the former McPherson standout, and 
I think a lot of teams are just tired right now. You can <laughs> talk men's or women's. I think teams are tired and, you know, some are coming off COVID still. And um, it's, it's just odd, but for the K-State women, their, their margin for error is slim and they've got to do a lot of things right. If they're going to win, be it one, be it two, be it all three games this week. To bring it back around to baseball in a, incredibly frustrating basketball season, whether it's men's or women's or combined, hasn't gone the way that any of us thought it would. Um, baseball is a shining light, and I'm I'm intrigued to see what this Wildcat team does. And, and I think Coach Hughes is a perfect fit for Kansas State. I think his fans, uh, it, it sucked that last season mostly got wiped out. They didn't get to be around him as much. Uh, but as they get more and more exposure to him, as they get good and they start showing up to the ballpark, they're going to like this dude a lot, aren't they? Totally agree. He's a character. He's a, he's a good man. He's got great people around him. When, when you talk about the staff, it fits the the biggest jump so far has just been in recruiting. Uh, but I, I totally agree. I think coach is a very good fit for this program and this town. And again, it takes a little bit of time that when coaches got hired, you know, the, the program had made plenty of strides. Unfortunately, in the last couple of years of Brad Hill, it had taken a couple of steps backwards. Um, but you know, the, the key with, with whatever the sport is, is recruiting and you've got to get the, the Jacks and the Joes and K-State's got more of them and, and coach and his staff have great recruiting ties. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and for, for the fans sake, I hope that baseball is that shining light and the, the calendar 2021 sports season, you know, uh, ends on a higher note. I think the baseball team's got a chance to have great success this spring in, you know, knock on wood, if they can stay healthy and not have, you know, one of those catastrophic or key injuries, uh, this this is a team that could be in the NCAA tournament. They could reach the postseason. They might not even – they might finish fifth or sixth. They could still very easily be in the NCAA tournament. I'm intrigued by baseball as a college sport because uh, it has been very popular in some corners, you know, most notably where it's warm and the SEC is really good. But now with what's happened with COVID, it's back the talent pool up a little bit. There wasn't a very deep draft last year. They went five rounds in the Major League Draft. So a lot of guys came back that probably would have been drafted a little bit later than that, but would have had a, an opportunity to go to minor league ball. There was no minor league ball last year. And now they've eliminated a lot of minor league franchises and tightened up that whole level of play, meaning fewer jobs, probably guys will stay in college longer. Matt, college baseball could really go through a renaissance over the next five years or so. I don't think there's any question about that. And, and what's always bothered me about the system is all of those young kids that leave, you know, when they leave high school and they forego college and they go to professional baseball and then you never, ever hear of them again whether they get hurt or whether they get disenfranchised or disenchanted uh, or they suffer an injury and they're not able to play. There's a very good brand of baseball and there always has been at the collegiate level. And for, you know, for that sake, uh, I'm, I'm glad that some of the changes that have taken place uh, have indeed done that because um, there's, there's nothing like, 
um, you know, a great college game and an atmosphere like Manhattan when there's, you know, 2,500 tops, 3,000 when you've got people stuffed in every corner. And it just, it takes me back, fits to, you know, we talk about Rice in case they plan there here in less than two weeks. It takes me back to when K-State went to its first regional and it was at Rice um, uh, a few years ago. And just what that experience was like and the fact that K-State won the sun, the uh, Saturday night game against Rice and was a win away from going to LSU in a super regional. It also takes me back to when K-State was one run away from going to the College World Series for the first time. And in all the years, Fitzy, of, of covering K-State, sports there have only been uh, a handful of times where i've ever been as nervous calling a game as as those two situations those two nights um and i uh, that's on my bucket list is i i pray to the good man upstairs that somehow some way i get to call a k-state baseball game at the college world series before it's all <laughs> before it's all said and done i don't know if that's going to happen but i love pete hughes and uh, our goal is to get to Omaha, or you know, they call it Omaha, and our goal is to get to Omaha. Uh, I, I just, I love the feeling around the ballpark, the ball club, and I say ballpark, folks. There is, we've got a diamond here in Manhattan in Toynton Family Stadium. It's slick, every seat in the bowl is chair back, uh, video board, sound system. It just, it looks like a big time ballpark now. Well, it it does. It, it's really impressive, and hopefully. We'll see the county open up more attendance because there was a demand for tickets this weekend, which is a very good sign for K-State baseball. Matt, I appreciate it. I know you got a lot on your plate. I appreciate you taking time. This has been the Powercat Insiders Podcast, sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. We will be back with more talk about your Wildcats next week. It might be our season wrap as we end up here with uh, college baseball heading into their season, but basketball wrapping up their seasons. But we will continue to talk a lot about K-State Baseball on our PowerCat Podcast. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.